For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We're less than a week away from Super Bowl 54. The Kansas City Chiefs will take on the San Francisco 49ers in Miami. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. What's up, Mark and Mark? Ike, Super Bowl week. We're going to do a deep dive on today's show about your experiences playing in the Super Bowl. You played in three. You won two. We'll also talk about some of the prop bets we like before Sunday's big game. But first, we're going to start today's show honoring the life and legacy of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and seven others after Sunday's helicopter crash in California. I know, right? When everybody heard the news, I think it was like, man, this can't be true. This, somebody lying. It's fake. The more people tweet, the more social media put out. Uh, you just start coming in to a realization like, oh yeah, this is for real. It's tragic, it sucks. It's just the person he was, just what he went through. Like Kobe, as iconic as we looked at him, he still went through what a blue collared everyday person went through. You know, he came out of high school, highly rated, still had to sit the bench. I think he averaged seven points as a rookie. He had to work his way through. You know, he had to work his way through through an organization that was winning. They have won a lot. That's the LA Lakers. Coming from Philly, smooth, savvy, cool. You can just tell he had the total package. Got into a little bit of trouble throughout his career. And the most important thing was him trying to be a good teammate. If you just talk about him earlier during the year, guys wanted him to be more of a good teammate than anything. But when you're as Iconic as he is, you know, a lot of Hall of Famers, man, they just help as individuals, and you kind of got to be because that's just what burns your fuel, you know. Kobe, for the most part, began to open up, and that's what we started to like about Kobe opening up, like, for us, like social media, inspiring, just giving people dropping gems without you even asking him a question, you know getting on his social media, dropping the gym or two, doing TV shows, one-on-one interviews, dropping the gym or two. And the more you just saw Kobe do that, he was like, okay, this the Kobe. Um, and we ain't even talking about the five championships and his shoes. And it was just his mentality, you know, the mama mentality. You know, when you think about a mama, and I'm an Animal Planet, Nat Geo kind of guy. So as soon as you say mama to me, <laughs> it's only a few of them, they're rare, and you don't want to be around them, you know, because they kill you quick. But that mama mentality, not only on the court, but he had that off the court, you know, starting his academy, winning the Oscar, whatever he wanted to do, he was going to do, playing hurt. Usually guys of that nature, and that's not, that's not knocking any basketball player, but football players, we just know you got to play hurt. I play with, 
all my broken hands. I played with a broke ankle. I didn't broke every one of my fingers. And I just thought that was just the mentality. Like you gotta play hurt. Kobe tore his Achilles. Tore his Achilles, shot two free throws, made two of them <laughs> and walked off the court. And the first thing we said as homeboys in the locker room going into the next morning was like, oh yeah, Kobe can play with us. Whether you was the old, old school Celtics with Robert Parrish and Larry Bird or Detroit with Joe Dumas and company or the Bulls with Scotty and Mike, we just felt like the game was missing that old school tough, tough people. And that's basketball I'm talking about. But when you see Kobe, <laughs> you know, I didn't see guys to Achilles in the game and grown men sounding like little kids when they do it. But when you see Kobe just shoot the two, make the two, <laughs> walk off and go to the back, you're like, dang, like this dude a little bit different. So Kobe was just a different dude, man. He was just a different dude. And the rappers be saying this all the time. And it, of late, you know, between Prince, Mike, Whitney, Kobe, Nipsey, Juice World, the good die young. I don't know what it is. The legends, the almost legends, the iconic, the people who inspire, for some reason they go quick, you know? So for me, like I said, we just on the clock. I always look at it like one o'clock, like live. Every time you, every time your eyes wake up in the morning, one, you should be thankful. Two, you should get to whatever your goal is because you don't know when your time is coming. So just thinking back on Kobe from that eight to 24, like my number was 24. So when Kobe got 24 hours, like, dang, me and him on the same page. I got 24 because I look at it 24 hours in a day. So you can work 24 hours in a day if you got to. You ain't got, you don't have to, but that was my mentality. I wasn't going to never let nobody outwork me because throughout the 24 hours, I was going to use and maximize all of them. Then Kobe changed that thing to 8 to 24. I was like, yeah, he thinking like me. <laughs> that's, that's just how I felt. So, man, it's crazy, but we're on the clock, man. You know, it's sad, but we're on the clock. You're coming in to go. You're coming in to leave out. So how you going? The thing is, when you go, how you want to be looked at? To be looked at and like Kobe was in a short amount of time, you've had to have had inspired a lot of people. And Kobe ain't really let nobody close to him. Like, can't nobody really say they really mess with Kobe like that. Like, Kobe, can't nobody really say, oh, I kicked it with Kobe like that. Kobe just felt part of the family, everybody, <laughs> worldwide. Just all the stuff he done been through throughout his life and what we know, he just felt part of the family. So, yeah, it's tough. I mean, my homeboy, Larry Foote, who I played with linebacker from Michigan, you know, he's coaching with the Tampa Bay linebacker, coach with the Tampa Bay Bucks right now with Coach Bruce Aarons. That's, matter of fact, he's out in L.A. right now. His wife gave him the green light to be out in L.A. right now because he was a huge Kobe. Huge Kobe fan, he, and it's hitting him. So, but that's how it is, man. When people inspire like that, man, he inspired in a short 41. He inspired a lot of people in a short span, short. But yeah, it's it sucks. It sucks, but 
like I say, when the good Lord want to come get you, he ain't going to give you no warning. Shit. He's just going to come get you. So, you know, like Kobe been saying, inspire, you know. And for me, me trying to inspire, inspire is just showing people respect, you know, and kicking it with either a CEO, you know, which I know a few billionaires to a janitor, just showing everybody respect, you know, to get that back. I mean, between me and you, we didn't know how this was going to jump off. And, you know, you wind up doing this and you tell, you telling me to tell my family what's up. I'm telling you to tell your family what's up. Like, I don't know your background like that, but I'm going to give you enough respect and show you enough respect to, for the point you like, that I feel like he's part of the family. Like even your family Absolutely. don't, who don't know me, you know, hopefully the way you talk about me, they feel like they ain't just part of the family. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, absolutely. And that's, and that's the, that's the effect I want to, I want to give. Like that's one of my goals. And that's what I try to tell my son. Like, bro, treat everybody with respect. It'll come back to you. Cause if something bad happened to you, you'll have enough people be like, nah, that wasn't Ike. Or nah, that wasn't Mark. You put good energy into the earth, it's going to give it right back to you. And that's what happens when you spend 20 years as part of an organization. No other Laker had spent more than 14 years. So to kind of put that in perspective, right? If Bryant had retired after winning his fifth title in 2010, he would still be tied for the longest run in franchise history. Ike, I grew up watching him because I can remember the tail end of Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls. I'm from the Chicago suburbs. So Jordan was iconic. Kobe was close to Michael Jordan as you're, as you're going to get. And I was fortunate that my dad took my older brother and I to go see Kobe and the Lakers play the Bulls at the United Center when I was a teenager growing up. And this was when Gasol and Lamar Odom were on the team. And I remember watching the game and in the first half, the Bulls play a close first half. And in the third quarter, it was like the Lakers flipped the switch. And I promise you, it was like they were playing a different sport. And they go on to win the NBA championship. And I look back on that now after this weekend's news with just a brand new appreciation. I grew up where my friends and I, if it was 50 degrees outside, we'd be outside playing a sport of some sort. We'd play basketball a lot. And I had a friend who died in a car accident, but he would always use one of Kobe's moves of establishing position in the post where he would back you down and he would just ram his butt as hard as you could into his chest. It was, it sucked guarding him. You'd back off and then he'd be able to create that space to be able to get a jumper off. And that same friend, he and I, we loved the irrational confidence guys in the NBA. Guys like, you know, Nick Young, J.R. Smith, uh, Jason Terry, Josh Smith, Jamal Crawford, uh, Nate Robinson, the guys that weren't quite superstars, but they could play at a superstar level any given night. And so I've been thinking about a lot of this, about Kobe Bryant and what I remember about him. There was this guy on the Portland Trailblazers named Reuben Patterson. Now you can look this up on basketball reference. Reuben Patterson's nickname was the Kobe stopper, right? And so it would almost be like if Coca-Cola decided to rebrand itself and call itself not Pepsi or McDonald's rebrand itself and call itself not Burger King 
And Kobe still averaged nearly 24 points per game against this guy. So you say the name Kobe, it's a one-word name. He's got that legacy like a lot of the greats do, whether it's Michael, Magic, Bird, Kareem, LeBron. How many guys can you say that about that were living legends? And there's really only a handful immediately once they step down. And I'm going to say this one last thing too. I was watching the 60-point performance last night on ESPN. They said to rebroadcast it, his final game as a Laker. And what a lot of people might not remember about that game is it upstaged the Golden State Warriors, the Chicago Bulls regular season win total that same night by going 73-9. and And so ESPN decided to broadcast Kobe's final game on ESPN2, not on the main channel. And what will people remember from that night? They're not going to remember that the Warriors beat the Grizzlies for the regular season win total record. They're going to remember how Kobe Bryant went out in his final game and dropped 60 points at the Staples Center. And just, we're fortunate to have seen him play to see what he did for two decades for the Lakers. And he spent, by the time he retired, he had spent more time in a Lakers uniform than not. And I'm going to miss him. When you got a first name in the world, know you? Troy, LeBron, Kobe, Mike, <laughs> Magic, Shaq. When you just got a first, you got one word, you just using one word in the world, know you? AI. That's, <laughs> that's iconic. You know, the world, I ain't talking about the United States. I'm talking about when the world knows you. It's only a few people. It's only a few people that you can just say one word and the world knows who you're talking about. And that's Kobe. So, RIP to Kobe. Ike, let's change gears a little bit here. And let's move to the Super Bowl. Chiefs 49ers down in Miami. And you're going to be there. So, got a lot of storylines that... We've got to get to as well. Where do you want to start with this? Because there's a lot of directions we can go. Let's talk about Media Week. Uh, we can talk about Media Week right now because during our Media Week, I remember when we played Seattle and Detroit, one of the tight ends said something. And that gave us fuel. Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, Stevens said something. And we didn't, we didn't need fuel at all. It's just okay. So now we go from that 93 gas to that nitrogen. That's where we at right now. And it's, it's small things like that that coaches and players can put on the, on the board or coach can start his meeting off like that. He ain't even got to say nothing. As soon as Steve says something, Jeremy says something, Coach Cowell just put that thing on the board during the first meeting the next day. And we was like, <laughs> we was like, yeah, we're going we gonna to get his ass. Oh, yeah. And then I think Joey Porter, Peasy, we call him Peasy. Y'all know him as Joey Porter. Joey Porter clapped back on saying, you know, if I was in the alley, if, if me and Jeremy was in the alley, y'all know y'all picked me over Jeremy and left it like that. So that's what I'm looking for this week. We're going to give some, some news board material to put a little extra fuel on that fire. That's the first thing I'm looking for. because. A reporter gonna tweak a word. Like that's what guys gotta be careful how they say it, because a reporter gonna they're gonna tweak a word just to and right now social media is in the media is 
let's have it first. Let's put it out there first. Let's have it first. Even if it's not a 100% correct. And I'm part of that. I'm part of the media. Somebody going to say something, an article is going to come out, and we'll see what happens in the game. But that's the first thing I'm right now, and that's the first thing I'm looking for is the media part. And just to give the listeners a little bit of a background, this what you were talking about, the back and forth between former Seahawks tight end Jeremy Stevens and Joey Porter of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This was during the 2005 season, and then this is when your Steelers team went to the Super Bowl in Detroit, Michigan at Ford Field. And you guys won that one too, Ike. But I remember if any of the listeners want a little bit more of a background on that, NFL Films, America's Game, the series that they did with that, does a, a great little back and forth. And you could just tell Joey Porter was not having it. And it was, oh, it was awesome. On defense, you are, you're going to act, think, walk, talk like your captain. And we use this word ratchet, hood, ghetto, from where we're from. And that's exactly how we acted. On that field, that's exactly how we acted. When Peasy left, it came down to James Ferrier. So Pot Dog, y'all know him as James Ferrier. We call him Pot Dog because he had a pot belly when he was small. So as we call him Pot Dog, he was more business attire you know he was a dog he was just more business and that's how our defense so you are your personality one is your coaches two is how your captain acts thinks walk talk pot dog was joy was very outspoken the only time pot dog really spoke was on that field and when he spoke he said he said some of the worst things. I, I thought I said things bad. He said some of the worst things you can ever say. Then after Pot Dog left, it was me. So you can only imagine what the defense got back down to. They got back. So now I'm a child of Joey <laughs> and Pot Dog. <laughs> so now you got a hell of a mix. It was uh, anytime, any place. Pick a park, anytime, any place. Let's get into this here, Ike. We'll talk about your Super Bowl experiences, and then we can talk about this year's game towards the end of the pod. So your first Super Bowl was your third year in the league. And so, but the year before, your Steelers team went 15-1, and but then lost in the divisional round to New England. And so part of the big storyline was with how everyone was really sad that it could be Jerome Bettis' final season he decides to come back for one more year. And he even says, and if you have not seen America's Game, the NFL films, I urge you to watch it. Jerome Bettis, in, this is a quote he said, I would literally kill myself if the team that I played for went to the Super Bowl in my hometown the next year and I decided to retire. So before we get to the Super Bowl too, your Steelers team was the first six seed to make the Super Bowl, let alone win it. And your coach, Bill Cower, had never won a road playoff game to that point either. So you're in the first round of the playoffs against, I think it was against Cincinnati. And you talked about the bulletin board material with TJ Hushmanzana taking the terrible towel to, to polish off his cleats. In our tunnel. That was after they beat us in our tunnel. And, uh, hey, TJ, don't even trip. You know, we're coming for you. Like, we're going to see you again. And you, man, you know, you know, we're coming. That 2005 team, 
Mark, we did a lot of talking. We did a lot of talking on the field. We did a lot of fighting in the offseason. We did a lot of fighting. We did a lot of fighting in the offseason. Everybody going to hang out in the same spot in the offseason. Either you're going to be in Miami, New York, or California, sometimes Vegas, you know, and Arizona. We, we Houston, Atlanta, we, it's only, it's five cities that, and when we see you, we're going to address you. So, okay, so all that talk you was talking on the field, what that mean? Oh, man, you know, I was just playing, man. No, I ain't playing. <laughs> I ain't playing. That was our mentality for the 2005. Once T.J. Hughes was out of, had wiped his cleats with the Myron Cope RIP, with the Myron Cope towel. Oh, yeah, man, that's, that's like coming into my house with muddy shoes, and I got a sign on my front door that say, please keep your shoes on the front porch, but let alone you coming to the crib with your muddy shoes on. Okay, now nah, that's very disrespectful. So, okay, since you want to be disrespectful, let's go ahead and put that in the memory bank, fellas. Bam, put that in the memory bank. Oh, snap, who we play on that road? First game, Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, Lord. Coach Cowway got to say nothing. All, all Coach Cowway showed was TJ, every meeting, all Coach Cowway showed was TJ Hoosmanzada wiping his cleats. That was it. That's all right. He didn't have to say nothing. The game plan won't change it because this was going to be our third time playing them. The game plan wasn't changing. I'm showing y'all this to start my meetings off every day. I ain't saying nothing. I'm showing y'all this to start my meetings off every day, then I'm walking out. So all you feel is rage. <laughs> That's all I felt was rage. They say pitches is worth a thousand words and they can talk to you and a person ain't got to say nothing back. And boy, they won't lie. To play that clip, and Coach Coward did it. He did it just how he's supposed to do it. Say good morning, play the clip, walk out. Because usually for the meetings to start your day off in the morning, coaches, have a few things to say, yeah, we got to do this, we got to do that. You know, here, here goes the game plan for the offense, for the defense. It was a perfect scenario because we didn't play. We played them twice already. So it really ain't too much to say. They know what we're doing. We know what they're doing. Play the clip. <laughs> TJ sitting on the ground in the tunnel, shining them cleats. Huh. Fire burning. Next day, play the clip. Hi. He shined them cleats. Oh, just put that 89 fuel. Play the clip. Ah, Friday come. Ah, that's that 80. The 88. Play the clip. Ah, you go to the gas station. You got 87, 89, and 93. That's that 93. About time Sunday came. Poof. Poof. About time we didn't, we didn't went up to 2000. So that gas tank went from 87 to 2000. They ain't even make 2000 gas fuel now. They still at 93. We still hanging on to 93. Oh, Mark. <laughs> One time that game. Brian McFadden. And I can't wait to get him on the show. The intensity, the rage, the fire was so high. At that time, Brian, Brian McFadden went from Florida State. He was our second round draft pick, cornerback. 
he was a rookie. It was so much arguing, fighting, going on the field, and Brian McFadden came on the field in nickel package. So we'll take a linebacker out and add another corner for the viewers who don't know what a nickel package is. Get five defensive backs on the field. Five defensive back, take a linebacker out, add another corner. B-Mac, we call him. Y'all know him as Brian McFadden. Was crying on the sideline and asking Coach LeBeau to please call a nickel package. That's how bad he wanted to be on the field. I say, Mac, what you crying for? He said, man, I need to be on the field with y'all. He, <laughs> he felt it. He, from the sideline, he said, man, I'm talking to somebody, please tell Dickie, we call Dick LeBeau, coach Dick LeBeau, please tell Dickie, call him nickel package, crying, please tell him, please. Because <laughs> he, he wanted to be a part of it. Because he knew it was about to go on. <laughs> he wanted to be a part of that. But that started with Coach Cowell. Of course, Coach Cowell had made it to the Hall of Fame, and he knew exactly what to do. So when you're fighting these guys in the offseason, this is before people have cell phones, camera phones, because Twitter was still a few few years away and everything. Yeah, it was brand new. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the word get out. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Rumor spread. Rumor spread. News, fighting news really spread. Oh, yeah, leave them. Hey, them boys in Pittsburgh, that defense, leave them alone, man. Cause they gonna, if they hear something, they're going to they come approach you. And if they feel like you're ready, we fighting at a drop. We at a drop of a dime. We on site. Did anyone ever get injured and then have to, like, lie about how they got injured by being in one of these fights? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't got into a, I mean, I didn't have my eyes shut, <laughs> you know, and just had to. You know, I ain't lie about it. I just said, you know, I got in the fight and dude hit me in the eye. That's, that's what they gonna tell me. Like, this is early on in my career. I'm good now. I, I was bad. I was bad, Mark. I'm talking about anger management bad. I'm talking about they had to call. They had to, I had to go through counseling bad fighting. It was bad. It was it was real bad. And I then when I walked into Pittsburgh, and the guys I was hanging with, they was just as bad as me. So I was like, oh Lord, this about to be good. <laughs> but you know, like you say, social media wasn't out. We didn't have nobody with cell phones videotaping. And for the most part, to be honest with you, it was old school back in the day. We fought and shook hands. We fought, we fought and shook hands. So Bro, you good, bro. I'm good. You got you got off your chest. You got, yeah, I got it. Either you got it off your chest or you wanted to go another round. That's just, but you know, ain't nothing, didn't nothing linger. Once we got it on, it that was it. That was it. So, you know, we got away with a lot of stuff. And if you ask the even the the 70 Pittsburgh Steelers, they got away with a lot of with even more, because you know, social media wasn't. You know, it was, you was living. Back in the day, you get to live. You know, you know, them 70 still, they was like rock stars. But getting back to that Super Bowl, you know, six seed, I think we had to go on like a four or five game run. And, and who started that was Bussy. When Bussy, 
And Brian Urlacher, he's a Hall of Famer. But when Bussy ran over Brian Urlacher because Chicago had a hell of a defense. With Briggs, Urlacher, Peanut, them boys, that cover two, oh, Lord, that cover two defense they had, whew, that thing was special. When Bussy ran over, when Bussy ran over Urlacher in that snow for that touchdown at home, it was all, yeah, we bought to win the whole thing. I remember watching that game as a kid and snow's coming down and it's, er, no one ran over Erlacher. You might, you might be able to juke him. You might be able to juke him. To run him over, though, it was unheard of. He was 250. Like, Erlacher was 6'3", 250. I don't think people understand. Erlacher played safety at New Mexico. Man, played safety. Play safety. I don't think people get that. The man, the man returned punts at 6'3", 250 at New Mexico. And now I'm gonna drop him down to the inside linebacker. Shoosh. Shoosh. So that was easy for him. That was an easy adjustment for him. I'm playing safety, I see the whole field. Now I got four guys behind me and I can play middle linebacker. So I just need to go from hashes to hashes. And y'all put four dogs in front of me. Hey, uh, watch me catch these picks and get to the Hall of Fame. But once we saw, Ur once we saw Bussy, Run over Erlacher. We saw, man, it's a wrap. We we on our way. We on our way, man. We on our way. And the Bengals was the first game. R.I.P. Chris Henry. Man, Chris Henry could have been special. Picture this: T.J. Ocho, Chris Henry. For the viewers who don't know nothing about Chris Henry, Google the early, the playoff run for the Bengals, when they had Carson Palmer, Rudy Johnson from Auburn, like them, Corey Dillon, man, you couldn't, you could not. <laughs> them boys had a offense over them. Oh, man. But yeah, we smacked them. That was the first game. We smacked them, you know. To make a long story short for that 2005 Super Bowl, run that we had in 2005, that Detroit one. We had to play Cincinnati, Denver, Colts, Seattle. Out the four, out the four of them teams, there was top five in offense of stats. The Colts was number one, Seattle was number two, Jake the Snake and company, Denver was number three, and Cincinnati was number four. So picture a defense going against the league's top one, two, three, and four. Going against the league's all in the AFC, except for Seattle, except, except for Seattle. All in the AFC for the most part. And defense do a good enough job to, that was, that 2005, one, one it was for Bussy. That's how unselfish we were. We're gonna win the Super Bowl for Bussy. That was that's that was the number one goal. Let's win it for Bussy. Let's win this Super Bowl for Bussy. And we wind up winning that Super Bowl, but that's the first thing I'm looking for getting back to what you're talking about. I know I'm all off script, but it was the media on bulletin board material. And Jeremy gave us everything we was looking for and Joey Porter Peasy clap back at him.
And so you had to, again, first six seed to make the Super Bowl. You guys decided that you're going to let Jerome Bettis run out first in his hometown too. At, at what point did you guys decide that? Right before we went out. So Peasy was like, Joy Porter, Peasy was like, hey, when they call us, everybody stay back and let Bussy run out there first. Bussy knew nothing about it. So, and Bussy, Jerome Bettis, we call him Bussy. He'll tell you, when he turned back around, it was just him running out. He was like, what the heck was going on? And we told him after, like, bro, it's your city. You're probably going to retire. We wanted you as a team to run out by yourself. That's how unselfish we were as a team. Let Bussy, and Bussy said he felt it. If you listen to the stories, when he tell these stories on TV, he said he felt it. Bussy said, man, he felt himself yelling, running out, but he ain't feel nobody else behind him. And after that, we told him, like, Bussy, bro, this your city, bro. Like, we trying to win this thing for you. So that's exactly what happened. But that's how unselfish we were as a team. And not the, not the fast forward, but we wind up getting Flozell Adams, the offensive lineman from Dallas Cowboys. And we, and we did lose to the one in Green Bay in Dallas. But that was our motto for Flozell, to get you a Super Bowl flow because you played in Dallas and the Super Bowl was in Dallas. So just, just that organization, Mark, just, just the more I reflect, man, we were so unselfish. We cared about nobody but ourselves, meaning your teammates. That's all we cared about was in the two teams I'm looking, the two teams I'm looking at in the Super Bowl. That's all they care about is each other. Like they having fun, they care about each other. There's nobody arguing on the sideline. If you just go back to what Travis Kelsey told Sammy Watkins when it was down with Houston in that first quarter, fix your body language. Man, you walking around slouching, man. Fix your body language, man. Because you ain't got to tell me. Your body will tell me everything. Your mouth will lie to me, but your body language is going to tell me everything. Fix it. Because we're going to win this game. And what they do? When, and that's, that's, that's what Sammy, Sammy was like. Travis came up to me and told me, fix my body language. You know? And you can just tell them guys have nothing but fun. Them two teams who won the Super Bowl, all they, they want to win, man. They want to win. And they got stories. They got stories to tell. Whoever won the Super Bowl have a story to tell. KC was a coin flip away last year from going to the Super Bowl. A coin flip away from going to the Super Bowl. San Fran, we didn't know San Fran was going to be this good this fast. But now that you look at it and see all the first and second rounders on that defense and offensive line, they didn't make the splash draft picks, you know, the fantasy draft picks. Coach Kyle and John Lynch was like, we're going to build this team from the ground up, just like how you build a house from the ground up. Now look at them. They can be together for years. They can go back to the Super Bowl again if they, if they want to, because they ain't going to do nothing but draft good again. They ain't going to do nothing but draft. It's, it's not like and nothing but steals. Same thing with KC. They ain't going to do nothing but draft good again. But it's two different styles of, of play for, for both organizations. 
KC, KC, we going we gonna win it through Patrick Mahomes. Cause he's special and he got weapons at his disposal. Yeah, our defense, we just need enough from our defense. We just need enough. We don't need much, we just need enough. All we need is a turnover or two. We're not asking y'all to stop the run, because we figure we'll put up more points than whoever we play. All we need is two extra possessions. And, and who you go get? You go get the honey badger. You go get a little guy who thinks he's six seven and five ten. He's all attitude, all passion, all heart, all all instincts. Them guys don't come around. Cause when you see him, you're like, dang, this look. Mark, when you see him in person, you're like, damn, he like me. He built like me. I'm talking about like you. Ain't nothing tall. Ain't look. But when, when they put the helmet on, it's like, dang, he didn't turn into the Hulk. Like he was just walking around like a normal person. No, he just turned into a Hulk. That's the attitude. That's their game plan. San Fran side of the ball. We're going to win a game off defense, and we're going to run the ball down your throat. And if you look at the past, the last three Super Bowls, quarterbacks really ain't been throwing for no touchdowns. You know, Tom Brady, last year, he, he didn't have a spectacular defense, man. What the score was last year? 16-13, 13-9 or something? I think it was like 13-3 to or something like that. It was very low scoring. You playing good defense, and you running the ball. That's all you're doing. You ain't doing nothing, man. With Tom Brady, he ain't no spectacular game. Even the one, even the one, look up the one that Tom Brady won when they played the Falcons, when they beat the Falcons. All he did was run the ball the second half. All he did was run the ball. That's all he did in the second half was run the ball. That's all he did. So you got two different personalities for two different teams. This, this, this might be one of the best matchups. You got Patrick Mahomes versus San Fran defense. That's how I look at it. And Mahomes is still so young, too. So he could become the third quarterback ever to win a Super Bowl before age 25. The others, Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger. He a baby. And see, what people don't understand, Tom Brady and Big Ben got redshirted their first five or six years because Richard Seymour, Vince Wolfuck, Rodney Harrison, Vrabel, Willie McGinnis, Ashante Samuel, Ty Law, like they he got some Hall of Famers that's coming up on that line on that defense. Like they didn't ask him to guard and just throw the ball 50 times. Hey, please don't turn the ball over. To Big Ben on them defenses he had with us. Like we had we got some Hall of Famers that's coming up. Like, hey man, you, you got a top five defense in the league for the past six years. We ain't asking you to do much. Patrick Mahomes don't have no top five, you know, defense. Them boys can't stop the run with Mack trucks. They can't stop the run. That's just – and you control the game by running the ball. On the flip side, Garoppolo, he's having that kind of – he's having that big bend, that Tom Brady first couple of years. So I ain't really got to do too much. I might got to play three games. I might got to outshoot you for three games. Might. Full max, I might. But for the most part, my defense is going to keep you out the end zone and going to give me more possessions than none. And, and through those possessions, I'm going to run the ball because Coach Kyle wants me to run the ball. Clearly, San Francisco has figured something out. 
Jimmy G has the highest winning percentage among quarterbacks with at least 25 starts. He's won 82% of his games. Mahomes is in third place at about 77%. And so it's like clearly they figured out a formula of here's what we need, we need to do to be able to win the football game. And a lot of that, like in the NFC Championship game, was don't fumble the ball and hand it off. Jimmy G only threw the ball eight times in the NFC Championship game, and the Niners still dominated the Packers. They asked Jimmy G about his yardage in the playoffs. And this I know Jimmy G, he got it figured out. Jimmy G was like, why would I want to throw the ball when we can't control the clock and run it? He said, man, I'm not in the stats, I'm into winning. And when you win, your name going to be called upon a few times, but he knows what it takes to win. So as soon as Jimmy G said he's not into stats, he's into winning, he understood the Tom Brady, the Big Ben, the Russell Wilson. All them guys got Super Bowls. I'm going to take the same approach. Now, the Patrick Mahomes approach is the Peyton Manning approach. You know, the Colts rely heavily on Peyton Manning to win and get him to the Super Bowl. Sean Payton rely heavily on Drew Brees to get him and win the Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers to win and get him to the Super Bowl. Here go your Patrick Mahomes. We're going to rely heavy on Patrick Mahomes to win and get us to the Super Bowl. So it's just two different philosophies. A key to that, though, too, Ike, with Mahomes, he doesn't have a turnover in this year's playoffs. Has not turned the ball over. That's going to be key. But also, too, will we after the Super Bowl? I think we might. We'll say something different. Yes, we'll be saying that totally different. And San Francisco is able to get after the quarterback, and they don't have to blitz, right? 48 regular season sacks. 41 of them came from linemen. So if you can get to him, which the other teams haven't been able to do, if you give Patrick Mahomes time to throw the ball, good luck. But San Francisco is like the complete foil to Kansas City and vice versa. And the two contrasting styles is what I'm going to have my eye on on Sunday. Yes, but see, and we talked about this, and even you said it. The reason why Tennessee struggled to keep and hold the league, they kept breaking contain. So when your defensive ends, when your quarterback is able to scramble and run outside the defensive end, you're, when you break contain, oh, saying you break contain, you lose the game. And that's exactly what happened with the Tennessee Titans. They just kept breaking containment. Bolster and company, that won't be a containment issue. You're going to have two guys coming up the middle, pushing the pocket. And you're going to have two guys coming off the edge, containing, hungry, ready, slobbering, foaming at the mouth. So it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be a little bit different. And we said this last week on the show, Mark, we're acting like San Fran didn't play a quarterback just as athletic the week before so we act like San Fran just played Tom Brady, a guy who sit in the pocket, or Peyton Manning, a guy who sit in the pocket. Nah, these boys play AR-12 Aaron Rodgers, a guy who can move and scramble. They can throw the ball just like Patrick Mahomes. So, and we saw what they did with him. So just from a, a physical athletic standpoint, from a scout team look, you always have a quarterback. If a quarterback is mobile like a Patrick 
Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. So for that week, you know, you always have somebody who's going to throw the ball and scramble for a scout team look. So now you're getting your body and your mindset ready for what the quarterback is capable of doing. So this is about to be their second week with the same kind of quarterback. And we just saw what he did with the first quarterback. You know? So, and one thing they do well is they drop deep in zone coverage. They linebackers, which is hard for linebackers to do. So this is going to be the telltale sign. Do I press the issue? Is Patrick Mahomes going, and I think he's grown. We, we just going to see if he can be consistent. Can Patrick Mahomes take 15, 12 play drives? Can he be cool with doing that? Because that's what is, because going, going deep for the most part, them boys sitting back. They sitting back and they picking off for San Fran. So they going to make you, San Fran defense to Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy offense. You got to, I got to take what the defense give me. And it's going to be dink and dunk. And he's not going to have the same amount of time to throw the football either. Mahomes, the 49ers, they allowed a league best 169 passing yards per game in the regular season. I don't see Mahomes putting up video game like numbers against them unless he's given time to throw. But the 49ers have shown consistently that they're able to get after the quarterback. And so, again, I think that's where it kind of goes to the two contrasting styles. I do want to go to one other thing, too, Ike, when you mentioned time of possession. Kyle Shanahan, remember, you mentioned that, that Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Falcons. He was the Falcons' offensive coordinator in that game. He's probably learned from that game of the importance of running the ball when he blew a 28-3 to lead, a 25-point lead in that Super Bowl just a few years ago. I saw his interview, and the first thing I thought was like, because he was like, man, I just wanted, I wanted to keep doing what I was doing. And for me, he didn't want to change his game plan, basically what he, what he said. And for me, the first thing I thought was Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, beast mode, three-yard line, hand the ball off. Don't hand the ball off, trying to get statistical, going against Tom Brady to be like, my quarterback is better than your quarterback, instead of just having a Super Bowl on your resume. That was the first thing I thought. So for the second half, I'm like, if the Atlanta Falcons going to have a shootout, they're going to lose the game because Tom Brady knows running the ball. They have enough time to run the ball and score. And that's all, that's all the Atlanta Falcons had to do. Coach can say what he want to say. You run the ball, then we only get three timeouts. Let's say you get, you get seven you get seven possessions in that second half, but you just you run the ball all three downs. And one of those three downs, just out of one of those three downs, you catch a first down. So now you done took damn enough four minutes off. So by the time that fourth quarter come, they would have ran out of they would have ran out of timeouts. They meaning the New England Patriots. Now your play action come in effect. Cause they're gonna still think you wanna run the ball. And now you're just picking up first downs. You ain't picking up anything to score. You're just picking up first downs. Or you're just getting in field goal range. That's all you're doing. 
you getting a field goal. I'm running the ball, and I'm trying to get a field goal right. If I score, bonus. Bonus. So he can say what he want to say. Coach Cal, Coach Cal can say what he want to say. His daddy, I guarantee his daddy said, you saw I won my Super Bowl, right? We hand that ball off the of TD. Go look and see how many yards John Elway had in that Super Bowl. Little to none. TD got the ball 35 times. Terrell Davis got the ball 35 times. Son, I don't mean to get in your business, but I think this is what you should do. <laughs> and for these playoffs, what have been doing? Absolutely. With Raheem Mostert, a historic performance, an inspirational performance. 52 career games, no starts. We'll see if that happens in the Super Bowl. We'll see how effective Tevin Coleman is, too. Oh, yeah, because he's he going to be back. But we talked about this. Man, this is why I like – I call him Uncle Shannon Sharp because I love watching their show. And we said this on our show. So we got we to gotta get this podcast cracking. I said, man, the reason why they're running for all these yards is because they got wide receivers that's unselfish and they don't mind blocking, starting with Emmanuel Sanders. For an offensive line to do what they do, that's cool. But for Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, and company to be willing, and Kittles to be willing and want to block, if you watch the touchdowns Rain had, he only got touched a few times. I'm talking about like two-hand tag. Two-hand tag touched. And that started with the wide receivers and the tight end. See, and we said this before, Shannon Sharp, he said the same thing we were talking about the week before. He said this yesterday on the show. Why they having so much success running is because the wide receivers are willing to block. And we talked about that last week on the show. When you asked me what you think about the running game, I'm like, man, the wide receivers are willing to block. And I can tell you what, Emmanuel Sanders, isn't scared of anybody. Cause I remember when he played with us, he'll come and crack block on anybody, whether it's a D lineman, outside linebacker, or safety or corner. And he's bringing that same mentality and they're willing to do that over there. Another thing we said, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but I think we, I think we provide some, some excellent insight here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Sometimes you gotta pat yourself on the back. In our debate between George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, you talked about George Kittle's ability to block as, and be an all-around tight end. And I said this, too, because he played in 14 out of the 16 regular season games that he's probably not healthy. News came out either today or yesterday. George Kittle's got a torn labrum in his right shoulder, and he's still playing at the level that he's had. He's had a torn labrum in his shoulder since 2018 for two years now. And he's still doing what he's doing. I, I'm going to steal your line. That's a want to right there. 100%, Mark. See, and we RIP, we just talked about Kobe and his mentality. Tearing his Achilles, shooting him too, and then walking off. And we all said he could play football with us. And we just talked about me breaking damn near all my fingers, playing with a broke ankle. As football players, we think that's what we have to do. Your old school, your old school football players, and and Kittles is in a new generation, so he can be as soft as he want to be right now. But for him to have that old school mentality, man, take this show up. We'll talk about this in the off season. I we're gonna take a quick break. If you want to bet on Super Bowl Fifty Four, Chiefs versus Forty Niners, head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. Whether you're choosing the winner 
or making a side bet with a friend, MyBookie offers you the most up-to-date odds in a site that makes extra cash easy and fast. You can even visit mybookie.ag slash party to access a printable prop sheet for the big game. If football's not your thing, no worries. MyBookie's got it all from the NBA to the Premier League. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Play, win, get paid. Ike, I wanted to ask you, backtrack a little bit here. So in your first Super Bowl, you're able to get an interception, and that leads to your team's final score, the end round reverse between Antoine Randall, the Heinz Ward. Just what's it like to be able to showcase your ability on a worldwide stage like the Super Bowl? I dropped one in the first quarter. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. What I tell my son all the time, man, don't hit me with these excuses talking about you coulda, man. You got to go out and do it. I mean, just to have that on my resume for my team to come the next play, do a fake reverse with Antoine Randall L, Randall L scope, throw it to Hines Ward. I felt good about that. I knew going into that game when we played the Seattle for that Super Bowl in Detroit that they was going to pick on me. You know, first year, first year really starting, kind of looked at me as like the weak link on the defense, and I knew I was going to have an opportunity to make plays. So, honestly, throughout that whole, the whole week, I probably got a ball thrown at me in practice at least 30 times. I probably got the ball thrown at me at least 30 times every day. I'll tell you this about a Super Bowl practice. A Super Bowl, we were so on point. And Coach LeBeau saying is he likes for the defense to talk because it's music to his ears because he's no, he knows everybody's communicating and we all on the same page. There was so much talking on defense, communication, communication-wise. I knew we was on point, but it wasn't a communication part, Mark. It was the tempo. Our practices, guys was moving so fast, we was playing playoff games in practice. That's how fast the intensity was for that Super Bowl practice. We was running around because so, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. The tempo on practice was so fast. This coming from the coaches. Coaches were like us watching tape. Y'all moving just as fast in practice than y'all did in playoff games. Now we see what it means for a Super Bowl practice throughout the week. When I say we was flying, Mark, you have your preseason, your regular season, your playoff tempo, and it's only one tempo for the Super Bowl. It's only one tempo. And it was like a playoff game during practice. The tempo, the tempo. But um, I feel good to have an interception. I go down in the books. I mean, I'm already in the books twice for one and two. But yeah, go ahead and throw me in the books. Because I, I had a pick, too, in Denver. I picked off Jake and Denver also. So yeah, I dropped a lot in the regular season. Come play off. I'm picking you off, baby. <laughs> That's how I look at it.
but it's just a good feeling, Mark. It's a good feeling. Something I can talk about, something my son and his kids can talk about, like something we can be very proud of. You know, I really, I really do everything for my homeboys, my family. To say they know me, like they I know I, or if they get into argument, like at least my daddy picked off, at least he won two Subos. Like I feel, I feel, I just feel good about that. But ain't nothing like, there's nothing like, you can't describe the atmosphere for a Super Bowl. You, it's a drug. Like once you get the one and win it, you trying to you trying to get right back. It's a feeling you can't you can't describe, man. You can't. I tell you what it feels like to put this in perspective. The atmosphere is so vibrant for the Super Bowl. They have so much going on for the Super Bowl. As you're playing, you can feel the viewers at home watching you. Picture that. I'm going to probably have to ask you some of these questions after the game just because I could talk to you about this forever, and we do need to get to the prop bets. I do want to tell you a quick story before we get to the prop bets, though. So in 08, when you guys beat, when the Steelers beat, the Cardinals in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium. The James Harrison interception is a play I will always remember. And I was in high school at the time. And the reason why I'll remember this play is I'm sitting there watching the game with my best friend from high school, and he has the Super Bowl squares. You can buy them by the quarter, spend dollar, $2, $5, whatever it is. And then at the end of the quarter, whoever has the, the scores on the squares they win for that quarter. So there's less than 20 seconds left in the first half. He has 10 to seven, and that's what the score was. And so when Harrison makes that interception, he's going crazy because he goes, I I'm going to win the Super Bowl squares for the quarter. And when you're in high school, I don't know what it would have been, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, that's like a fortune. And so he's celebrating when Harrison makes the interception, but as he starts to run up, run up the sideline, he starts yelling, bring him down, bring him down. But you and your Steelers players, the brigade that you created to be able to block for him downfield, it was a total team effort. And there's a reason why it will be one of the most iconic Super Bowl plays ever. And you were on the field as part of that. What do you remember from that play? First of all, I was telling him to pitch me the ball. That was the first thing. I was like, Debo, you're not going to make it. Pitch me the ball. But if you watch, if you watch that play, they tried to pick me and Deshae. They tried to pick us. I mean, it, it would have been, but, and Debo, Jay, Debo was supposed to blitz. He just had a feeling he wasn't gonna make it. So he just dropped back in that little area. When Debo caught that ball, instinctively, you go into fight mode. Fight mode meaning, you're not gonna touch my homeboy. And if you see it, we wind up making the, a half moon wall on their sideline. That's what we wind up doing. Two guys in the front. It's like, it's like being a security for the president. We catching all angles. Two guys in the front, two guys in the middle, two guys in the back. Hey Debo, do whatever you can do because we're going to lay whatever we got out on the line for you. And that's, if you watch it, you can see the moon shake 
on their sideline kind of wall we had for Debo. And really, it, really, you had to watch our back. So the guys who was behind them, them the guys you really got to watch out for. Because even Fitzgerald caught him, but he caught him towards the end. Fitz caught him towards the end. But instinctively, you just going to a protect at all costs mode. Because it ain't, it ain't, it's not NHL, it's not NBA, it's not baseball. We don't, we don't have an opportunity to do a series. We can't play five or seven games, the best out of. We can't, it's one shot, man. You got one shot. And when Debo caught that ball, that light switch just protect at all costs. And uh, Coach LeBeau said that's one of his favorite memories ever. He said he, he don't never get tired. That one play, he never gets tired of watching, ever, ever. Because we talk about, we always talk about being that selfish in the team effort. And like you say, Mark, that was a total, that was a total team effort for Debo to score that play. Being unselfish, putting your, putting your body in front for your, for your teammate, doing what it takes, it, it was, that was special. That was special. My friend did not win the square because James Harrison scored the touchdown either. I know he was hot. He was mad. <laughs> and so he just, it was the full range of emotions. It was, uh, I'll, I'll always remember that play. I, we need to get to prop bets and wrap up the show. The one prop bet I really, really like in this game, Kansas City's Patrick Mahomes will throw more touchdown passes then Jimmy Garoppolo, you can get that at minus 110, which means if you risk $110, you win $100. So San Francisco topped the league in rushing touchdowns with 23. And to me, that shows that it's a sign that San Francisco prefers to rely on handoffs in the red zone, and for good reason. They've had success doing that. If you were to make one bet, and you can gamble on with what color Gatorade the winning coach will get showered with. You can gamble on whether it's heads or tails at the coin toss or how long it takes the national anthem singer to perform. But if you could make one bet, I really like Patrick Mahomes to throw more touchdown passes than Jimmy G. I'm going to take Jimmy G throwing more touchdown passes than Patrick Mahomes. That's my gut. That's, that's my gut. I think KC, they, they just go with Coach Spags. He's going to have to press the issue on stopping the run. And as much as I love Honey Badger, I know Honey Badger's eyes can stay in the backfield too long a second. That's what I do know. So, yeah. Jimmy G going to throw for three. Jimmy G going to throw for three. I know we're thinking it's going to take four, but Jimmy G going to throw for three. And they, they gonna, he's going to set that off off the run. This gonna be in the second half. Watch what I tell you. <laughs> this is gonna be this gonna be in the second half. All right, we'll see what happens. We'll get to a few other bets. Okay, okay. Total players with a pass attempt in the game. The over of two and a half is at plus one fifteen. So you risk one hundred dollars, you would win hundred fifteen. I would think that one of the coordinators is gonna have a running back pass or a reverse pass or some sort of fake punt pass. I would take the over in, in this one. I wonder if Debo Samuels is left-handed. I'll I tell you this much, and I, I'm going to need you to look up the stat. 
whoever whoever have a left-handed receiver that can throw the ball left-handed, that's the team that will be throwing that play in the red zone to either a quarterback or a tight end. There we go. That's just my speculation. I just think in a Super Bowl, you get some trickery. I know the Philly special was a big play. Your Steelers teams, obviously, with Antoine Randall, who was a quarterback in college. You just see some kind of trickery. I just think you're not going to see a game where it's just Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo. I think there's going to be a trick play at some sort. Another bet I like, too, Raheem Mostert, the 49ers running back, his total rushing yards total is 73.5. I like the over at minus 110, so you risk $110 to win 100. I don't think he's going to have you know the performance that he had in the NFC Championship game, but we don't know how effective Tevin Coleman's going to be with that shoulder injury, and Mostert coming off a historic performance. I like the over at 73 and a half. So you think he's going to have under or over 73? Over. Oh, I agree. I agree with you. I think he'll have 120 yards. Part of that, too, for me is Garoppolo's only thrown 27 passes in the two playoff games, too. Over under two and a half sacks for the 49ers defense. I like the over in that one. I know Kansas City's been able to protect Patrick Mahomes, but kind of what we were talking about earlier, how they're able to get to the quarterback, let alone when they do blitz. And given how often Kansas City throws the ball, I like the over on that one. What about you, Ike? Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking four, five total, five total sacks. And they like to run. They can get to the quarterback with four, Marky. And they usually get to the quarterback with four. That's what makes them so special. They got some good bets going on. There's one other one that I saw that I really liked as well. Will either team score in the final three and a half minutes of the game? And so the reason why this one is so appealing to me is that prop bet has hit in five straight Super Bowls and in 21 of the past 26. Last time it didn't hit was in 2013, and that was the Seahawks blowing out the Denver Broncos to where that game was well in hand at 43-8. to You almost take a yes. I like yes in this one, and you can get yes at minus 190. So you put $190 down, and you get 100 back. So whether a team will score in the final three and a half minutes, I like that one a lot as well. Those were the prop bets that I found, Ike, that – I think you could get good value on, and there's, there's good action. Um, again, if you had to take one, we disagree here, and that's okay. I like Patrick Mahomes to throw more touchdowns than Jimmy G. We'll see what happens, though. Ike, your Super Bowl pick. The Chiefs are a one-and-a-half-point favorite, but which team do you got in the big game? I got San Fran. I think San Fran offense is going to come to play. As much as I'm talking about the defense, I think the offense is going to come to play. Of course, Patrick Mahomes and company, they always going to be exciting to watch and play. But I think San Fran is going to come to play. You know, I think uh, don't be surprised if Kittles have a good game. Don't be surprised if Kittles have a good game. But yeah, I got San Fran all day. It's just they, they have the recipe. KC has what you want to watch. <laughs> San Fran just have the recipe to win it. I'm going to agree with you, Ike. I like San Francisco in this game. I know a lot of my Missouri friends will probably be pretty angry with me, but I just think how they've played throughout the course of the entire season. You always mentioned their exotic running game, but Ike, we've said this. If you go back and listen to some of our podcasts from previous weeks, whatever kind of style of ball you want to play, 
the 49ers are able to get it done this year. And that's why I like San Francisco, especially with the dominant defense that they have and their ability to run the football, regardless of who is in the backfield. I'll take the 49ers in Super Bowl 54. We'll see what happens. I cannot wait. All right. I want to give a quick shout out to the listeners. Thank you for tuning into the Believe in Steelers podcast with Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen. And you can get this show however you listen to your podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Luminary, iHeart, TuneIn. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Ike, this was a fun show today. There was a lot that I want to keep asking you about and that we'll talk about after the big game. But you're going to be down in Miami too. Correct. Probably tonight. Do you know any of the shows that you're going to be on at all yet? Right now, I got a, I got a long list, so I got to check my email. But yeah, I can't wait, bro. I'm going to represent for us. As always, I'll put our social media info in the show notes. So if you want to follow Ike while he's down in Miami as well, you'll be able to do that. If you have questions for us at all during the big game or while the action's going on, reach out to us too. Your interaction with the show helps us create a better show for you, the listeners. Yeah, I, I want to piggyback off of Mark. Just appreciate all the viewers and the listeners for listening to our shows. You don't have to, but you do. Uh, we try to be as insightful with personality as possible, and I think we're doing that. So, again, I just want to thank all the listeners for tuning in to the Believe in Steelers podcast with Mark and I. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.